If you enjoy Toyota Trucks and Trails podcast, please consider supporting us on Patreon. Patrons will receive a thank you on the podcast, access to our Discord voice chat, and other perks. Just a few dollars per month can help support the podcast, including web hosting fees and equipment expenses. Thank you to all of our patrons for your support. You are listening to the number one Toyota truck and SUV podcast, Toyota Trucks and Trails, with discussions from restorations to racing, interviews with folks from all over the Toyota community, product and event reviews, and much more. We are sure to offer something for you. So sit back and enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to Toyota Trucks and Trails, episode number 67. Uh, I'll be your host tonight. My name's Rich and uh, Jason's not with us. Uh, he's he went, went to Mexico to have a an illegal surgery, um, you know, to make him taller. So he's going to uh, he's going to be out for a little a little while dealing with that. No, but in all seriousness, Jason has some some uh, stuff going on at home, and he can't make it. So uh, we're going to be carrying on the podcasts without him. Lucky you, uh, and helping me out, uh, helping us out as always is our good friend Andy. How are you tonight? Uh me? You. Well, I'm I'm uh I'm, I'm you know the I'm furiously recording podcasts. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we haven't ever done this without Jason, so if we sound a little awkward it's because we're a little awkward. Um or a lot awkward. But um we have talked on here plenty of times, so I, I think we'll we'll get our we'll get our groove at, back. Uh, it certainly isn't the same without Jason, so you know we're gonna have to. Uh, <clears throat> you know what? Um, I think Andy, you do a pretty good imitation of Jason. You want to just you want to be imitation Jason? Oh, absolutely. All right, all right, Jason. How are you tonight? Good. It doesn't doesn't sound anything like him. No, no, the, the voice part's a little hard to get down. Yeah. All right. Well, you know, let's... Oh, fantastic. <laughs> What's what? What does he always say? Absolutely fantastic. Absolutely. <laughs> we miss you, Jason. We do desperately. Um. At any rate, so um. Jason, or see, I'm so used to saying Jason, I just called you Jason. God, man, this is going to be a long show or, or a short show for some people. Uh, <laughs> welcome to Toyota Trucks and Trails podcast, folks. If you're if you're still with us, uh, if you haven't just uh, deleted this episode, um, anyway, Andy, uh, what have you been up to, man? Like uh, any cool projects? Uh, no projects. Went on a little ride last weekend to Club Jason and I am in, the Southeast Toyota Anchorage Association. We had our annual meeting up at Winrock, so hang out with some friends, do a little camping and riding, had a good time, despite the crappy weather. So what's the uh, what's the annual meeting, the STLCA annual meeting, what's what what's that all about? Uh, it's just we, we meet and discuss the going-ons in the club, you know, the uh, each year we, we we hold the elections for officers. Um, it's it's actually bi-yearly. This year we voted president, which is Andy Ridge again. So we're now referring to him as the emperor. 
<laughs> and uh, Jamie Jamie got voted back in as secretary. So well, next, that year, next yeah. year we'll vote for treasurer and vice president. So, so uh, Andy Ridge is the basically the the Trump of STLCA at this yes, point. Yes, yes, he's he's the Trump. Yeah, is he is he like is he wearing the suit with the red tie? Like, not yet. Um, I see that coming in his future. Yeah, yeah. Is he gonna fly in on Air Force One? And yeah. <laughs> he, he did fly in this year. Sorry, Sack. He didn't even bring a cruiser. He actually just showed up in his car and rode with someone. So. Wow. He was only able to make it for one day due to family obligations. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, sometimes, you know, uh, when you have to trailer your rig in, you know, yeah. <laughs> it's a big ordeal to get out on the trails. It is. <laughs> Spoiled brats. Um, so, what, what was the, uh, so you guys go, what do you like, basically meet, eat, and retreat kind of, uh, kind Pretty of, Pretty much. Um, we, you know, we'll rent, we reserve the pavilion up there and get, get a couple RV spots and a few camping spots. And, you know, this is, this is our way of thanking everyone that helps with G Smitter every year. You know, I, we, we cover their, their camping and food costs. And this year we actually did a potluck. So that was something we had done for a while. And then we were doing meals and, and the last last couple of times we tried to to cater a meal, it didn't really work out because you, you get all these people say, yeah, I'll be there, and then they don't show up, and you have a lot of extra food. So this year we did the did the potluck, and it turned out great. We have way too much food. So <laughs> that actually, I I like potlucks better. But like uh, usually you you get to try all this this cool different stuff and and uh yeah you're right about commitment i think i think when people realize they have to bring food or you know their friend is bringing food they're they're a little more committed to, to coming yeah well that's cool and then you guys did a, a trail ride yeah we rode friday and saturday a couple couple short trips nothing nothing hard or even moderate just some easy riding and would have been nice if the fog hadn't have been so bad you could have actually seen some of the some of the foliage in the area but everything was white due to the fog so so have you guys hit peak foliage season yet is it is it uh we're getting there not quite yep our peak is uh right about now so you guys probably got another week or two yeah another week or so and we'll we'll yeah. be there and it's been nothing honestly our our foliage up here and and it, it, it just kind of came and went. It's been so rainy. Uh, the wind and the rain just took all the leaves off the trees. Yeah. So it, it just kind of went from green to brown <laughs> within the yeah. space of a couple of weeks without without the colors like we usually see them. Um, but, uh, well, that's cool. It sounds like uh, – now, so that annual meeting, that's open to members only, huh? And I'm uh, sorry if this sounds like an interview about STS. No, no, it's, it's – we welcome welcome anybody. You know, it's a good chance for, you know, prospective members to come and meet, meet people and see what we're all about and hang out with some, you know, some of the members that have been in the club for a long time and you know, they're, they're able to join right then and there or – you know, if they want to join later, they can join. But yeah, anybody, anybody's welcome. Good, 
Good stuff. Good stuff. Like most TLCAs, and and like, uh, and and you welcome FJ Cruisers in in STLCA, right? Absolutely. That's that's, that's the favorite vehicle of the STLCA. Yeah, it's, it's, it's it's actually the Forerunner. The, the that's that seems to be one of the the more favorite vehicles. But yeah, FJ Cruisers, Forerunners, Land Cruisers. It doesn't matter. Yeah. All yeah. this Toyota and has a transfer case. Come on. Yeah. Actually, every STLCA event, I've seen lots of 80 series and 40 series. Yeah, there's lots of 80s, lots of 40s. We've got a couple of guys that have Jeeps that are that are members that, you know, had family members that were in the club and joined up because they just like riding with us. So Yeah. yeah. We're, not, we're not that vehicle specific. We do yeah. poke fun of them, but, you know, we don't we don't rag on them too hard. Well, you know, you got there at every family gathering. There's that one drunk uncle that they won't let the kids near. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, not too much going on up up in our our neck of the woods either. Um, work has been has been pretty busy, uh, and and uh, the the training life is is definitely taking over that that and and all my other irons in the fire i just i haven't had a heck of a lot of time to to get out on the trails when i am out on the trails i'm in either some vehicle that i won't discuss or um it, it it's just boring you know it's not a, it's not like i'm i'm in my vehicle enjoying the trails as much as i used to but we we've got some uh heavy vehicle training coming up this this uh winter so it should be pretty exciting uh some of that includes tracked vehicles so oh that's or, uh, yeah yeah and not military but like uh you know the swamp crawlers and stuff for the uh dp and and things like that so pretty pretty interesting stuff but um well anyway that's our boring lives cool yeah. um so we got a we got a couple of topics we're going to talk about here. Um, I I know SEMA is really hot on everybody's minds, and to we would have to do a full SEMA episode, I think, to to cover everything that's been coming out. I mean, the forerunners from the various manufacturers we've seen, you know, the the, the pictures. I, I know everyone has. Uh, if you're on if you're on social media and you don't live under a rock, you've seen pictures of. Uh, you know stuff coming out of SEMA, so uh, we've uh, we got a couple of things going on in that camp. I I did see like the new Max tracks, uh, which uh, we we should have a pair uh, coming out to us uh, to report on uh, within the next couple of weeks. So uh, listeners can look forward to that. Uh, Max tracks has a couple of new products out, uh, some stuff from Factor Fifty Five, and and you know the usual suspects. But uh, there's a couple of couple of real gems came out of SEMA. Uh, <laughs> couple of real, real interesting, real interesting Toyota uh, things came out uh, that weren't Forerunner related. Uh, you you know a little bit about that, don't you, Andy? Yeah, I saw a couple of neat things. Um. Why don't you uh, why don't you give us a little tour of of one particular sighting? The, the one that caught my eye was a, was a Tundra, um, late model Tundra. It's owned by Kevin Costner, and it was built by a company in Texas called Complete Customs. And I'm, I, this thing is is pretty much I, best I can tell from what I read his his daily driven truck. This is what he hunts and camps and 
spends time with his family in. It's a, I can't remember the year. It's, you know, 16, 17 model. Um, but this thing, they, they put a four and a half inch lift on it with Fox shocks and set of 35 inch nittos. And um, it's actually got an ARE truck cap. It's got in fab everything on it the sliders, the bumpers, the roof rack, all that stuff's in fab. Um, it's just a sharp truck. It's, it's, it's all blacked out, which I think is what caught my eye because you don't see some of the body lines that I don't really like don't show up as much on this truck because of the, the, the being blacked out like it is. Yeah, he's got the refrigerator in it and the rotopacks, winch, lights, all that good stuff. But just a slick, not overbuilt, but actually looks like a usefully built truck, you know, and he does drive it. It's got scratches all over it. You know, of course, at SEMA, they've, they've buffed it out, and it looks nice and shiny. But up close in some of the closer pictures, you can see the, you know, see where the limbs have drug down the side of it. And not scared to get out and use it. Yeah, I've, I've seen some pictures of it. He's got, you know, like 20 gallons of jerry cans on the, on the uh not roof rack, but the cap rack thing. It's got yeah. one of those cool. I don't know what they're called. I sound like a moron right now, but um, well, I always sound like a moron. But <laughs> um, it, it really does have some cool features. It, it's got pull-out awnings and and the whole the whole nine yards. I mean, obviously, it would probably be most people's dream dream built. You know, it's just set up. You know, enough to to. I don't want to say overland because I think I think that big V8 is a little thirsty to be taken across the country, you know, off road. But um, you know, a, a good weekend getaway that's just outfitted and, and ready to go. Yeah, it's, it really is nice looking, and uh, we got quite a few pictures uh, of that uh, that we can share with our listeners. See, everybody, see the picture. Yeah, we're holding them up. Holding we're them up, holding, so holding up to the microphone. No, we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna post those on social media. <laughs> Actually, we are on a Google Hangout. We 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 could share it, but no, yeah. we're we're the only people on here. We're the only ones uh, hanging out. <laughs> the only ones hanging out on the hangout. We are gonna open these up to the public one day, and that that should be that should be good. Um, <clears throat> at any rate, um, well, that's cool. Yeah, I I mean I I. You know, I'm sure I've seen some Kevin Costner movies, and and uh, what was he in? <laughs> He's famous, right? He's famous, yeah. <laughs> He's rich and, and famous. Rich and famous. Uh, two things we're not. Uh, what, yeah. what, what what movies was? I'm sorry, this is bugging me now. Uh, Build dreams. Which one was that? What was that about? The one about the, if you build it, they'll come. The baseball. Oh, movie, the yeah. baseball one. Right, right, right. So that was some old Costner stuff. Um, he's done a few newer westerns. There's there's a series. Uh, oh, he was Robin Hood. Oh yeah, man, Robin Hood. He's got a series now on one of the one of the cable channels, and I'm trying to think of the. God, it's right on the tip of my tongue. I want to say Yellowstone. That may not be right, but. Wow. And then, uh, yeah. Yeah, uh, dances with wolves. Uh, there you go. Yeah, another another embarrassment. I mean, fine feature film. Uh. <laughs> the bodyguard, the one he did with Whitney Houston, that was way back. 
Yeah. Well, okay. Um, so I guess we're bigger Costner fans than we thought. Well, I think we're more accidental Costner fans. <laughs> cool truck. Yeah, cool truck. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, you know what else I've seen coming out of uh, out of SEMA was um, another cool, really cool Tundra. That uh, well, I don't know if I'd say really cool. I would say interesting. Because cool is is subjective, but um, the Toyota Tundra Pi Pro. Have you heard of this, Sandy? I have. I've, I've seen that. Yeah. Uh, for our listeners who aren't familiar, the Toyota Tundra Pi Pro is a hydrogen powered Tundra, completely hydrogen powered, that has an automated Pizza Hut pizza maker built into the bed. That's right. And you can go up and order a pizza, and in seven minutes, you will have a, a little pizza, and it's all hydrogen-powered. The only exhaust that it has is it leaks a little bit of water out because it's hydrogen-powered, and that's it. And it will make you a fresh pizza in seven minutes. Just You just need this entire tundra to do it. <laughs> Not only does it make it, it slices it and boxes it for you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's got robot arms in it and and the whole nine yards. Yeah. So, uh, you know, the Overland pizza machine is, is just around the corner. That's, that's tailgating 101 right there. See that at a lot of stadiums in the future. I tell you right what. Around man. serving hot pizza out of the back. You know, you go to a couple stadiums a year, you probably pay that off, pizza maker and all, yeah. uh, you know, <laughs> pretty quick. So, but that, that's kind of a fun, cool thing that that Toyota did. I, I think, uh, you know, funny stuff like that, teaming up with Pizza Hut and, and making this truck. I, I think that's the kind of stuff that uh, sets them apart. And, and um, you know, now hydrogen power. I don't know a heck of a lot about it. Uh, I know Toyota's interested in it, and I think all of us, I, I'd be interested in hydrogen powered as well. Um, that would have to be a cheap fuel, although I'm sure someone will find a way to mark it up and make oh, it more yeah. expensive than petroleum. But um, <clears throat> that's, uh, I, w I would be interested to see how it does. I wonder what the power is on a hydrogen engine. I just don't know that much about them. So. I don't either. That would be interesting to know. But the technology that's involved in that is pretty amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Not just the fact that it runs off hydrogen, but all the other goodies it's got going on in the back that are all powered by the same same hydrogen cells. Yeah, yeah. And and you, for a couple of greasy old wrenches like us, I, I think it's just a little bit beyond. We need some young people to explain it to yeah. us. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody got, got a 12-year-old that can explain this to, to these old guys? <laughs> <laughs> It's funny, we can work a smartphone, but uh, I don't think we'll ever have to program a VCR remote again. So we can uh, dodge. Those days are gone. Yeah. You can do that with your phone, so <laughs> just work it, the TV from your phone. Yeah, exactly. It's it's beyond boomer tech, you know. But um, so we'll have a lot more to report about SEMA as, as things move forward. I, I, I think it's a little young yet. Not everything has come out, and, and we've got a, a few people there with um, – who, who are able to see some stuff up close that'll be uh, reporting on it. So 
um, uh, you know, look forward to 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 that. Uh, so, uh, anything else about SEMA, Andy? No, that was that was the two things so far that had really caught my eye. Yeah, I mean, honestly, it's it's going to come pouring out, you know, within a week or so. Uh, as, as things wind down and the uh, media coverage for it uh, sort of, you know, gets gets public. Um, Toyota does have six Toyota trucks in the Toyota booth. Um, the 2019 TRD Pros, you know, for the Tacoma Tundra and 4Runner are going to are, are there uh, along with the SR5 models. So um, they'll you know, we'll, we'll get some, some reports on that. Um, apparently, uh, Ivan Stewart's Baja truck is parked in the Toyota booth. So if you're over there, you can check that out. Um, and of course the rest of the SEMA stuff is, is car related, you know, um, the Supra, the return of the Supra, I think is a, is a big deal. So that's, that's pretty popular over there anyway. Um, so cool. Yeah. SEMA. Um, so for our uh, main topic tonight, we were going to talk a little bit about something that's been on everybody's mind, especially as the weather gets cooler. Uh, we wanted to uh, talk a little bit about batteries. Uh, I've seen on social media and some of the groups and clubs, uh, people have been talking about, uh, you know, dead batteries and, you know, what, what batteries are good and, and you know, what kind of battery should I get and how do I take care of my battery and, and, and all this kind of stuff. So I figured we'd we'd see if we could help out a little bit. Yeah, we'll try to try to help a little. Now, Andy, you, you seem to know a thing or two about batteries. I've, I've been around a few, yeah. You, you might you might have seen one. You know what they look like. Yeah, they're, they're usually kind of rectangular and heavy. And there are several different styles. The, the good old-fashioned lead acid, which is what comes stock pretty much in every vehicle out there and what probably 90% of them get replaced with. You know, it's just a series of lead plates flooded in acid electrolyte and stores energy. And they leak and they off-gas and cause corrosion and don't hold up extremely well to harsh environments, you know, vibrations an issue with them. That's, you know, doing what we do the, in the off-road community, the, the getting jostled around like that can, even if strapped down as good as you can get it, it still takes a, takes a lot of vibration and jolting and it can, can wreak havoc on it. Yeah, actually, um, if I can cut in, uh, yeah. one of the one of the things uh, we try and pass on to to new drivers is if you do have a lead acid or liquid battery, um, to always make sure it's secure. And if a vehicle gets in a rollover situation uh, or gets flopped on its side or something, to that that those liquid batteries need to be addressed uh, somewhat quickly because they do leak acid all over the place. And two things happen. Acid, I think we've all got, you know, enough of a high school education to know that acid on things is generally bad, <laughs> especially wiring and, and things like that. 
Uh, and the other thing is, is when liquid batteries lose that liquid, they aren't very good batteries anymore. So, um, but I just wanted to throw that throw that in. And and the, there's always the, the fire hazard involved in that. If you've ever yep. seen a battery catch fire, it's a it's a nasty thing, and it is not easy to put out. What causes a battery to catch fire? Uh, it takes an ignition. You know, batteries give off gas. You know, an ignition force, uh, ignition source, they are flammable. So you know, you bounce one off and it hits a hot manifold or something like that, then you can have a fire. Or if you get a, get a dead short across the thing, you can catch it on fire. Do, do Jeeps have leaky batteries? Is that why they catch them? I don't them? think it's the battery in those. I know. <laughs> they probably put AGMs in them. Yeah, trying to prevent it. Trying <laughs> <laughs> to keep it down a little bit. Which I guess I, I, I guess I just transitioned to the next battery type. Yeah, the, the absorbent glass mat. Or AGM. Yeah. You know, that's... Little different technology. You've got you know fiberglass mat that's between the lead plates. You know some of them are a traditional stack plate with the mats between the plates, and then you've got the spiral type where you know the, the plate is spiral shaped and the mats wrapped around it, and the, and the mat absorbs the the electrolyte and and holds it. So most of these batteries that are AGM. You can actually knock a hole in the thing, and it will not leak. You may get a little bit, but it's not going to gush out like it would with a normal lead-acid battery. I'm, I remember years ago when, when Exide first came out with their version of a AGM battery. That was one of the things we did to it to, to show people was we knocked a hole in a battery, and it didn't leak. Plus, so, you, 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 can, you can mount it on its side. You can mount it upside down. Um, you beat the crap out of them, and you, know, you don't have the plate shifting inside like you do in a, in a normal battery. Nor do you have to worry about caps that can vibrate off or something like that. Yeah, yeah, because they are sealed. Yep. Um, so being that they're sealed, I guess we kind of skipped over the fact that uh, lead acid needs to be maintained. You have to check the uh, battery, you know, the, the water level in the battery. Essentially, you add some some distilled water to them right yeah yeah you got to use distilled water you don't want to use tap water because of all the chlorine and fluoride and good things they put in it doesn't, um doesn't work well but agms don't require any maintenance no other than keeping them charged no completely sealed um and and price wise agms are a good deal more expensive than than uh, lead acid isn't that right yeah yeah i mean you're looking almost twice the cost on some batteries so it's an investment it's you know one of those things you know to think about if you plan to keep the vehicle and and use it off-road that kind of thing then it's you know i've got one in mind i'd, I'd never go back to a to a normal lead acid battery in it simply just the peace of mind knowing that if something hits it, it's it's sealed and don't have to worry about it leaking and it, it holds up well to the to the elements and the vibration and all that fun stuff. And and, and plus, you know, when when you're 
in the four by four world, um, generally you replace, you know, if you eliminate maintenance on one thing, you, you've got 10 uh, new things to, to maintain anyway. Uh, you know, you've got your, your fancy lift and all your other custom aftermarket products. So may as well eliminate one maintenance task and switch to an AGM. Yeah. And the one thing that goes along with the added cost is that they do, <clears throat> they do last longer. Yeah. generally you know than, than a regular lead acid battery will so that's something to take into consideration when you're you're looking at one and it's two hundred dollars versus a hundred dollars well it may last another three years so yeah in fact i i uh i've only ever used agms my the well you know toyota is known for that great panasonic battery which yep. I believe is lead acid that, that comes factory. Um, but you, you can't even get those here in the States, can you? Uh, I've, I've heard you sure. can't get them. I, I've heard they're impossible to get. It's something that comes from, from Japan. Right from Japan. It, it may be. I know the the Panasonic that was in mine originally lasted, gosh, seven years before it finally gave up the ghost and you know i went to the agm after that so far it's been fine um you know they they charge faster than a lead acid and, and the usually most lead or most gel agm type batteries the the discharge rates a little better you get a little more reserve capacity in them like if you run in the fridge that kind of thing they don't they don't tend to drain down quite as fast as a normal battery um they have a they generally have a higher cold cranking amp too don't they yes um and so they're they're deeper cycle and better cold cranking i think yeah, yeah it's, it's good like like a i guess you call it like a multi-purpose it's not a true deep cycle it is more of a cranking battery but it does have some deep cycle characteristics to it yeah, that, that's a really good point. When I was battery shopping, I compared uh, the op. I went I, at the time. Optima was 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 hot stuff. I guess I guess we'll say because they were they were a real popular battery for a while. Um, and I'm not favoring a brand or anything. It's just I I didn't know much about it. So I had looked at the specs on like the their their deep cycle, which is the blue one. And they go because they go by color, uh, red, blue, and yellow. And uh, I, you know, compared it to the red one, which is considered the starting battery, and then the yellow one, which is supposed to be, you know, the 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 holy grail of batteries. Yeah, that's the do all. Yeah, that's the that's the do all. And the specs weren't that much different. I mean, the the deep cycle one was. You know, just a little more, and the, you know, it, it was the differences were so subtle. It just seemed to just go straight for the yellow top. And uh, I'm on my second yellow top. Um, the first one I actually passed into the the Xterra because uh, it uh, I, I wanted a, a different post configuration. <laughs> <laughs> because oh, okay. at, at the time I was running dual batteries, so um, and we should probably talk about that a little bit. Uh, not dual batteries, but post configuration. Dual batteries is another can of worms. But we, yeah. we could. But um, well, anyway, needless to say, so th the yellow tops have been have been great. And the, the only reason we didn't we weren't able to recover that uh, yellow top from the uh, accident 
that the Xterra was in because the, the the thing was just smashed. It was just destroyed. Um, but all the lights still worked, even though that battery was smashed. It still worked. Um, pretty funny thing. But um, yeah, it, it, I think there's some other popular brands out there of AGM batteries, like the the Sears Diehard Platinums were really popular, and I, I swore by those um, when I ran dual battery setup. My thinking was just that the specs on it were very close to the Optima Yellow Top, and if I ever had a problem, there was a Sears anywhere in the country, and you know I could get it taken care of under under their. They had like a. It was like a four-year, three-year warranty, something like that at one point. And now we have no more Sears and no more – well, there's Sears, but there's no more uh, diehard Platinums anymore. And that was a darn good battery. Yeah. Now, who made those? Uh, I, maybe you're wrong. I think Johnson Controls made diehard batteries. Yeah. yeah. There, aren't, there, there aren't but two or three battery manufacturers in the country. Yep. You know, everybody – puts their their different sticker on them or gets them made a little different but <clears throat> brass tacks it's you know you got about three companies making these things yeah and johnson controls is it, yeah they're a real uh popular one um i believe they make optima don't they yeah and they also make um gosh not interstate. That uh, I, I can't think of the brands right now. I believe they make another one of the popular ones. Um, interstate is another popular brand. A lot of people swear by. Do you you worked with them much? Uh, no, you know, as doing what I do in the, in the this and the auto parts industry, most of your your retailers don't do interstate. They're usually through garages, that kind of thing. You know, there there are a few retailers that carry them, but. Most everything I've ever dealt with has been, you know, the Johnson Controls or Exide or East Pen. DECA. Yeah. So you work, uh, because you work in the in the parts realm, you, you see what sells and, and what you recommend to people and stuff like that. What's hot for batteries? What's, most people that we deal with, most people want... You know, you've got your you got your your bottom end battery, which is kind of like your used car lot, or I'm fixing to sell it grade, and then you've got a mid grade, which is you know I plan to keep it, but I don't want to spend 120 dollars on a battery, so I can get by with 80 or 90. And then you've got the the premium line, which is the more expensive, and you know as the price goes up, the the cranking amps usually go up, the warranty goes up. Um, most everybody now, with the exception of Motorcraft and maybe Interstate, has done away with prorate warranties on battery. Where you know you get like eighteen months, thirty months, forty-two months free replacement. Once you're out of that, that's it. You know, it used to be you'd have a battery that was <clears throat> four or five years old. And it may have had a three-year free replacement. And after that, they prorate it, so you, you take it back to the to the parts house and. They'd look at the date or go buy your receipt. It's been so many years now since I prorated one, but you know, for each month you were charged a few cents and ended up you kind of paid the difference between the new battery and what your old battery was worth. And so you walked out with a new battery. Now your warranty doesn't start over, 
you know, it's it's you just get a new battery. You know, if you started the warranty over, you end up with a lifetime warranty on a battery, and then no manufacturer is going to do that because they, they are designed to to wear out. That's just how it works. <laughs> it, it is considered a wearable part. Yeah. Um, what brands? What what? I mean, you, currently there, it's uh, we've got Ace, the company I work for. We sell AC Delco and Motorcraft. Mm. Um, in the past, you know, I've dealt with Exide and East Pen, and East Pen always made a real good product. Um, Motorcraft Delco, it's Johnson Controls, so it's there are some differences in them, but not a whole whole lot. Exide was one of the better brands, but not not the best out there. So, yeah, I can imagine. Why well, well, a lot of your well, retailers switch manufacturers for batteries because of warranty issues? Get an eighteen month battery, and it seems like every twelve months you're replacing it. And it's not just one one guy walking in. It's, it's it seems like it's nearly everybody. So that's a manufacturing issue. That's not a installation issue or that sort of thing. Yeah. What kind of you mentioned installation issues? What kind of uh, installation issues do people run into with batteries? <laughs> Number one thing is bad battery terminals. You know, you see the little repair ends you can get at the parts store where you, you strip the end off the cable and you stick it in there and clamp it down. And uh, those aren't worth the paper they hang on, in my opinion. I, they, they start corroding the minute you install them. Your best bet's to either pony up the money and replace the battery cable, or if you've got the ability or means to crimp a new end on or an eyelet, <clears throat> go that route because. Anywhere you, you've got resistance like that, not only is it a resistance issue, but it's a, it's a corrosion point with a battery. And a lot of times, too, once once the cable starts to corrode on the end, you know, I've stripped those things and looked, and you'll see it's all green and brown looking, and you got the dust floating out of it. It doesn't stop there. It's going to run usually all the way down the cable, you know, to the point where it's the cable's almost useless now because it's not going to carry current like it should instead of having you know a thousand little strands of wire that are all working together each one's trying to carry the load independently because it's you know almost insulated from the one next to it so yeah that just increases resistance which increases you know heat and obviously reduces the uh, amount of charge the battery is getting and you put a bigger load on the battery starting it, and also you put a bigger load on the off, on the starter because it's fighting like crazy to try to pull current. So, I mean, it's corrosion in a battery cable is, is bad on both ends. It's just run into a lot of issues with that. You see a lot of bad grounds, you know, where, you know, if you've got a, where the cable will ground onto the engine block or onto the frame where you get corrosion there. And that's one thing that's a lot most of the time is overlooked. It's because usually it's not right there on top where you can see it real easily. You know, it's buried down under the truck. So 
you're having a starting issue and you've changed the battery and you know the cable terminal ends are good, you know, start looking at grounds. Most of them now have several grounds. You've usually got one or two big heavy grounds and several little auxiliary grounds that run off of them. And, and keep the top of the battery clean. It's shocking how much, you know, if you get a bunch of crud on top of the battery, you know, mud, dirt, if it's seeping a little acid and all that starts to collect on top of the battery, you're actually creating a short between the posts. It's not a big short, but you know, if you've got a vehicle that sits a lot or you don't, you know, you're not using it every day, you know, over time, just that little trickle across the top of the battery through that little dirt trail will drain a battery. I've never heard of that. That's a new one for me. Yeah, yeah. It's I've actually seen tests where they'll take an ohm meter and lay it between the post on top of a dirty battery, and you'll get a, you'll get a reading. And then you just simply take a rag with you know some detergent or a brake clean, wipe it off, and boom, it's gone. Huh. Wow. That, that's that's really interesting. Uh, now now I want to run outside and look at my battery. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I've run into ground issues, uh, the corroded cable. Yeah, I've run into that, and and I actually had to replace my positive cable. And of course, the way Toyota does it, you know, comes out of the alternator, goes through the fuse box, and out of the fuse box to the to the positive on the battery. So you've got to pull the whole fuse box apart to replace that cable. It is not fun. Um, I could get pretty mad at somebody, but I don't know if I would wish that job on them. <laughs> it's not just Toyota. Everybody does that now. I mean, it's replacing a battery cable used to be you went to the parts store, you found one that was the right length, and you swapped it out. Yeah. And it went from the battery straight to a solenoid, and it wasn't that big a deal. But now they go, I didn't go, you know, into the fuse box. You got a lead going to the alternator. You got a lead going somewhere else. You've got multiple leads, and they can get pricey quick. Yeah, yeah, um, and and grounds too. I think bad grounds are, are something that that a lot of people run into. I know that when uh, some people swap out their batteries, they'll find either the stock terminals are shot and they don't you know tighten up enough anymore, or they get the wrong size posts and you know their their terminals won't tighten up enough on on them to get a good connection. They'll or they'll wear out, so they'll cut the stock terminals off and try and crimp their own on and uh you know it's not making fun of anybody but you know when you're new at doing things a lot of times it's not perfect the first time so the corrosion will get in there and like you said it travels up the wire if you see uh the wire on a battery terminal yeah like you say if it if, if you see corrosion on there chances are it's all the way up the wire because it just creeps up there yeah and uh, you end up replacing the whole thing, and it sucks. It does. <laughs> um, it, it, very common thing. So when when you install them, you definitely want to make sure your 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 terminals are are sound. Uh, otherwise, you could even kill a brand new battery just because you know the rest of your wiring is is trash. Yeah, you can kill one. And you know, talking about the the terminals, you know it's. When you start shortening these cables, make sure there's a little bit of slack in the cable when it attaches to the battery. You don't want it pulling on the post because what you're doing is you're pulling those plates inside the, the battery case. And a lot of times, especially with some vibration, you know, you'll start to see acid weaken up around the, the battery post. 
and it's because you you're pulling on that instead of it just kind of laying there yeah and and actually you see that uh quite a bit on off-road vehicles because people are adding lights and winches and you know fridges and ice makers and blenders and whatever the heck else and they'll just pile it all on the positive post and the right way to do that is to actually you know make some sort of junction to connect everything to with fuses on it and and um you know try and have one lead go into the battery of course your winch always needs to go straight to the battery or should uh or or to a disconnect switch but um you 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 have to be careful with piling too many things on a battery post because it will uh, also cause the uh, post to flex, which will flex the plates inside. Yeah, it does, I mean, it's lead. It's a soft metal, so it doesn't take a, a whole lot to start manipulating and twisting that around, and you end up with an issue. Yep. Yeah, wire always works best when there's a little bit of slack in it. Tight, tight wires are always scary, no matter. You could ask any electrician out there. They'll, they'll tell you all about how important it is to leave a little bit of slack when you do something. And one way to fight corrosion is, you know, they make the little felt washers you can put on. Those help some. And You, know, you see the little packets of battery grease are usually hanging up by the batteries or the, the checkout counter at the parts store. 79 cents or whatever it's it's worth buying that little bit smear a little on the post before you put the terminal on it that just it's just a step there to help or there's sprays you can get the spray and things like that just just to help fight the corrosion because it's it's an ongoing battle it's just the nature of the beast it's you know with the agm and the gel batteries it's not as big an issue but you know with the with the lead acid battery where it's constantly venting you know that adds that adds to it Absolutely, uh, absolutely. Uh, that's my Jason impression. Absolutely, that was fantastic. It was, it was pretty good. It was. It was. Fan- it was. It was fantastic. <laughs> Outstanding. <laughs> uh, he's never going to let us do this again, is he? No. <laughs> he's, he's he's never going to get sick. His family. He's going to have family members dying in the hospital. He's going to be like, no, I can't let these bozos run the podcast again they're oh driving it into the <laughs> <laughs> <coughs> well um, actually the battery stuff is is pretty i i actually picked up a, some good info from you tonight so i, I I'm, I'm really glad we chose this topic uh as it's getting colder i know uh, i've been seeing people saying uh you know it's it's cranking a little slow you know it's getting a little cr- cranky as they say yeah, peak, peak battery season is is late fall when you first start getting those sudden drops in temperature and you know late spring when temperatures start spiking because batteries don't like rapid temperature changes things things expand and contract too quick yeah yeah and lead isn't known for uh, dealing with that kind of stuff very well um you know, you were talking post configuration earlier. That's another thing to watch is you know, every battery's got, a, you know, a BCI group code. You know, the Toyotas are 27s, 24s. You know, that's the, referencing the size of the battery and the post configuration. So, you know, if, you're, if your vehicle calls for a 24 battery, you need a 24. If it calls for a 24R, you need a 24R because the posts are reversed. 
that way you're not running into trying to stretch cables and making things fit um the fj cruiser is a group 27 from the factory but you can use a 34 which is slightly smaller but it fits in there the battery battery hold down still works just fine and the posts are configured in the right way so that's what i've got in mind and, and yeah. another another thing you don't want you don't want to get some big old honking tall battery and get everything hooked up and slam the hood and short the thing out. I've also <laughs> seen that happen in the parking lot of a parts store. <laughs> and that was that was the first introduction to a battery fire. <laughs> wow! Really, it, the yeah. battery was so the battery is too tall. Guy that installs is, it in the parking lot, slams the hood down, and jumps in, and starts tries to crank it, and. Turns over real slow, and next thing you know, there's smoke blowing out from under it and flames shooting up through the hood. And, wow. Uh, Did he get it put out in time? Yeah, we were grabbing fire extinguishers <laughs> left and right. And you don't just throw the hood up because you know what's going to happen when you do that. You just, just let an air a in. whole lot of air in. <laughs> so we went from a slightly medium-sized fire to a giant. So you're trying to spray fire extinguishers through the grill and through the crack of the hood and into fender wells and all that. We did manage to get it put out, but I think we burnt through three or four of the, the big fire extinguishers, making sure it was out before we tried to open the hood and kill the short. Of course, the time we got all that done, the battery was gone. It wasn't doing anything anymore, and he had a nice, nice hole melted in the hood. And, now working at a parts store, I'm sure that got blamed on you guys somehow. Oh no, 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 no. This one <laughs> this one this one was the you know, you ask him you help, no, nah, I know what I need, and he walks in and grabs it off the shelf and you ask him, is that you know, do you want me to check, make sure no, nah, this is it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we'll do what you're gonna do. <laughs> So that's why they keep them behind the counter now, I take it. Yeah, uh, that and theft. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. Uh, theft. I mean, that would take some effort with a battery. <laughs> yeah, it's but it happens. I mean, people walk in, grab and run. <laughs> yeah, busy day, lot going on, and it can happen. Yeah, it's, somebody could just casually walk out with it, and uh, you know, with the AGMs pushing two hundred, two hundred and fifty dollars yeah. sometimes. I mean, um, yeah, I, I guess I, I guess I could see that being a an issue. I with the regular battery now, you know, eighty to a hundred dollars. I mean, it's it's a lot of money, and that's when battery years ago when battery prices started going up, the theft started going up. Um, one thing I've actually since we touched on battery size, uh, and and you work with this stuff quite a bit. Um, one thing I've seen people do rather than switch to dual batteries is to get one. Uh, a, not one, uh, but but just a larger battery. You know, just a, a single battery, but larger than you know what the vehicle stock uh, spec for. And even though it, you, you know, the, they're making sure it fits, and that it's not like hitting the fan, and that their battery cables reach. But uh, is is that a wives' tale, or is is bigger actually better? Physically, not necessarily, because you can look at you know certain. Certain batteries, like you know, you can get a thousand cold cranking amp group 27, or there's thousand cranking amp group 24 batteries out there. You know, if you, if you get into some of the higher end batteries, now if, if you just go on stock for stock, then normally, yeah, the bigger the battery, the more capacity it'll have just 
because it is physically bigger. There's not going to be a huge difference. Um, you know, maybe maybe 50 to 100 amps, but you, know, you see guys they'll they'll cram a group 31 into into something where it came with a 27, and it'll fit and it'll work. Um, you're not really hurting anything. The alternator is only going to put out what it's going to put out, and you know the starter is only going to use what it's going to use. So, hmm. yeah. so do you think they just get more, uh, you know, more of the deep cycle out of it? More, you know, you get more reserve out capacity out of a out of a bigger battery than you will a small one. So if you were, so there is some. So it, it's possible that it could help out, but you you think the difference would be marginal? Yeah, it's marginal. Yeah, you're talking like maybe it'll run 15 minutes longer than the other battery. Than yeah, a smaller that, that kind of thing. It's not a not a huge jump. Yeah, but I mean, I guess uh, 15 minutes is 15 minutes if you got to keep your uh, you know custom crafted IPA cold. Yeah, <laughs> keep that generator going. <laughs> Good stuff. Make sure you can you can start in the morning. <laughs> if you're out overlanding and you run a battery down, you're in trouble. <laughs> well, you know, since I did the solar thing, I I, I swear by it. I I just I can't um, I can't say enough good things about it. I I I've run my battery down, and the next morning it's been, you know caught enough sun to just uh crank over no problem it, yeah, it's been there again you go back to the to the agm battery they charge so much quicker and yeah, easier and than a typical lead acid battery does it, it it certainly seems like it takes less um you know le less to get a, a usable charge out of them yeah, I've, I've run mine down before you know left the fridge on or something forgot about it and I work at home, so it may be three or four days before I go back to the truck. And, you know, even once it hits the low voltage cutoff, a lot of times it's too low to start the vehicle again. And I go out there with a half-dead jump box and it doesn't take anything to crank it up and, and get it going. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so with dual batteries, uh, am I, if I'm... You know, not switching gears on you. If you had a a, uh, a flow, you know, I don't no. want to interrupt it. But with, with dual batteries now, you see a lot of people will run one starting battery and one uh, deep cycle battery. Do you think that's more advantageous than just running two all-purpose batteries and being able to switch between them with a uh, you know w with a proper switch? I don't know. It's I like the idea of running a. a a cranking battery in a deep cycle, you know, because just simply because of the way they're they're designed to discharge. You know, the, the, a cranking battery is is made to give a short high amperage discharge and then slowly charge back up off the alternator, whereas your deep cycle battery is meant more to be a slow, constant drain. You know, and the multi-purpose batteries, you're, you're doing both, but. You know, you've got the the cranking down. I mean, that's they do that great. But as far as the the deep cycle, it's not as good as a true deep cycle because they still don't have near the reserve capacity or the you know the discharge rate as a true deep cycle battery is going to have. 
So yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd say if you're going to do that, I would I would personally do a cranking battery and a deep cycle to run, you know, the fridge and that sort of thing off of. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. It, uh, it, it also, I think, is a little more cost efficient to do it that way than to get to all purposes because the deep cycles generally run, they're, they're not quite as expensive. Yeah. Yeah, they are a little less expensive. And, and, the, and the main difference between a, a, the multi-purpose and a standard cranking battery is, you know, the, the plates are a lot thicker in them. So that's where you get, you know, the, the ability to handle that discharge versus another versus a cranking battery where the, the plates are thinner and it just is meant for that quick burst and that's it. Yeah, yeah. But when you've got one that won't start, and you keep on and keep on and keep on, and it seems like, man, I didn't think I cranked on this thing that much, and the battery's dead. Well, it's not meant to start it 15 times in a row. It's meant to start it once and let the alternator build that back up till the next time it's ready to, ready to crank. Yeah, and, and I think the probably the big downside to dual batteries is just the weight. The weight, and then you've got to... Two maintenance items, unless a they're lot more wiring, and yeah, unless it's AGM. But you know, all the wiring, you know, every every junction's a corrosion point, and you know, there's resistance there, all that kind of thing. So, I've been happy with just the single, you know, AGM cranking battery. You know, the the fridge will run off of it if it sits. I'm good for about 16 hours before I can't start the truck. With, with you know no panel hooked up or anything to charge it. yeah yeah you know with the, with the panel hooked up you're pretty much running off of that you're not you're not drawing off the battery um you use a solar panel also uh, i've got one on the little trailer so when the trailer is hooked up i'm able to keep the the battery in the truck charged Okay. Now, do you have uh, a battery on the trailer also? Yeah. Yeah. There's a deep cycle battery on the trailer. Oh, okay. And so when the tr when you're keyed off, so you have it set up. So when you're keyed off, what happens? When I'm keyed off, I'm still charging both batteries. Ah, uh, okay. It just trickles to both. It's just a trickle to both. Yeah. As, as long as the sun is out. As long as the sun's out, or it's partly cloudy. Yeah. You know. Um, you have a similar solar panel than I have, right? Uh, the Renogy one? Is that what you used? Uh, no, mine's actually the... It's similar. It's, it's the big, you know, like two foot by three foot hard panels. Yeah. It's 100 or 140 watt. I tell you, they're a heck of a lot lighter and a heck of a lot cheaper. I think the my entire solar panel setup was less than the second battery. And plus, even... You know, there's a lot of people out there say, oh, you know, you can just wire up your own dual battery, just get this part and that part. But if you really want the good functionality of a dual battery setup, you got to invest quite a bit in a battery manager and some good wiring and some good components uh, and, and a good switch to be able to switch between batteries if you want that kind of functionality. You know, a lot of people want the kind of functionality where if they wake up and one battery's dead, they can simply switch to the other. Yeah. Um, and basically use either battery interchangeably. Uh, some people just want that. But when you 
when you add all that stuff up, especially battery managers, um, I've seen $600 alone for just a, like a, a, nation, a good National Luna battery manager. And, and granted, you don't need that, but for the kind of functionality some people want, um, you can spend quite a bit on just one component. And then you throw in the two batteries, all the wiring, all the labor, uh, a, a good dual battery setup can really add up. Oh, yeah. yeah you, you pop a grand quick. And and then you know grease monkeys like us we drop I dropped one hundred and seventy nine dollars on a solar panel and it's permanently taking up some real estate on my on my roof rack but psh, I haven't had you know uh, the only time I had a dead battery was when I was my truck was laid up for a few weeks in the garage when I was doing the long travel um, you know and I was waiting to have a friend weld some stuff and and whatnot. Um, you know, the truck was just sitting on jack stands in the garage. So, you know, obviously the battery went dead. There's no sun to charge it. But otherwise, um, even a couple of times in the dead summer when the fridge ran the battery down, next morning it just started up no problem. Whatever sun was in the sky that morning was just, just pushed it just enough to to start so pros and cons you know uh dual battery can certainly last a lot longer and uh you, you're not dependent on the sun um you know which is good if you're under landing in a lot of caves <laughs> if you're under, the, under the bridge down by the <clears throat> Yeah. living out of it <laughs> if you're o overlanding under a bridge yeah. somewhere down by the river uh in a van down by the river but um you know pros and cons to each setup but i have to say after using both i i'm i'm a huge fan of the solar and i could never see myself going back to dual battery yeah i don't see myself ever you know i've never done the dual battery but you know using the panel like i do and seeing some of the headaches some people have had with the dual battery setup it's just it's it's simpler and it's less expensive and you you can buy the the, the panels that you know the flexible panels you can roll up and store and then go wherever you're going you unroll it throw it up on the roof or lay it out on the hood and hook it up and let it do its thing you don't have to have a, a permanently hard mounted panel there's there's other options out there and it doesn't take a whole lot of light with the newer technology in these panels. You know, just a, on a, even a cloudy, hazy day, you still get charge out of those things. Yeah, yeah. They say the there there's two kinds of panels. There's polycrystalline and monocrystalline, and they say the monocrystalline is a little more efficient than the poly, yeah. um, but that the difference is pretty small. Um, the price difference is much bigger, but the... Uh, the difference, a friend who installs solar panels for a living passed on to me that he said the difference between poly and mono uh, only really matters when you have fields of solar panels and you want to squeeze every little bit of efficiency out of it. Yeah, yeah. If you're, if you're running multiples, it'll add up. Yeah, yeah, That's exactly. Yeah. But I, I think my my panel's a hundred watts, and and um, it, it's it's come up. You know, I've I've thrown the volt voltmeter on it a couple times in in different conditions, and I actually uh, had like 0.2 volts coming out of it on a full moon night. 
Yeah. So there was a little bit coming out, you know, just of whatever sun was reflecting off the full moon. It was kind of cool. One other thing I wanted to touch on is dealing with batteries. Is the, used to be a way to take the alternator was to disconnect the negative cable while the car was running. Don't do that. That's a dead short. <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna fry something. You know you don't want to arc <laughs> at the battery. You know I, there here again. You know a, a part store story where a guy said. I know the alternator's bad because when I disconnect the battery, the car goes dead. And I said, man, don't do that. And he said, look, I'll show you. And he did it. And we hooked everything back up with a new battery, and the car wouldn't start. And <clears throat> he had fried the, fried the ECM on the car. So, Oh. Yeah. And it was a Chrysler, so it was 600 and some odd dollar computer. <laughs> so, so that that got towed off the lot, huh? That got towed home. <laughs> <laughs> Had a new battery, but needed needed something else now. Yeah, yeah, and and on the on the newer Toyotas, all the newer Toyota trucks and SUVs, the uh, the alternator fuse on it, I I think it's 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 not very expensive. It's like a hundred what hundred and fifty amp or hundred amp. I can't remember. Um, and and it's like a five or a ten dollar fuse. Yeah. Um, and there's there's two of them, and it's very deceptive. One is just in the top of the fuse box, and it's you know hunky dory sitting there having a good time. The one that blows <laughs> 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 when you do stuff like that is under the fuse box, and you have to disassemble the whole fuse box to get at it. And um, which is also the same operation you have to do if you need to change your positive battery cable, and it sucks. It sucks, it sucks, it sucks. I can tell you from personal experience, you don't want to do anything to, to, to blow that fuse. No, I um, that. Yeah, yeah. You know, if you're one of those people who are putting in, you know, a uh, couple thousand watts worth of subwoofers, <laughs> and you, <laughs> you, uh, you know, need, need to beef all that stuff up, I would, I would definitely caution you towards uh, not doing anything to um, blow that fuse because... Uh, it, it would just be, it, it would just be a, a bad time for you. Yeah, that's a case where you go straight to the battery. You don't, you don't tap into the, to the fuse block. <laughs> well, but, and the thing is, is in the new Toyotas, you couldn't even do that because you would lose the functionality of everything. In yeah. Well, I guess you could feed it from the other side. Yeah, you know? it is just positive. I, I suppose. In, in on paper that would work. I don't know if it really would, but uh, um, yeah, folks, don't don't fool around. <laughs> Do it the safe way. Do it the Boy Scout way. Be be good kids out there. Don't don't go pulling your negative off. Um, I've I've heard horror stories of pulling negative off too, just in it blowing fuses and and frying stuff, but. Uh, um, there are better ways to get your alter. And to that point, we should say, if you need your alternator tested, um, you know, obviously you want to consult a professional mechanic if you're not so inclined to do it yourself. Uh, you could just go down to the local big box parts store. I think just about any of them will do an alternator test for you for free. Yeah. Just, yeah, just walk out to the car in the parking lot. Not like the old days where you had to actually take it off and put it on the machine and spin it. Now you can actually 
like the, the testers now, you can check it on the car. You can check the starter, see how many amps it's pulling, check the battery, check the alternator all at the same time. So, yeah. And it's free, you know, peace of yeah. mind here to. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and a lot of people, you know, they have, they have bad feelings about going to the parts store to do that. And, and sure, there's, there's some young people out there working who don't have a lot of experience. And you, you know, you're bound to, to have that one person who just doesn't know how to meet, read the meter right. But, but um, if, you're, if you're desperate and you're not sure what you're doing, it's, a, it's always a good option to, you know, give that a try. It's free. And well, if they break it, they're kind of responsible for it. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, hopefully, oh, there was one more thing I wanted to ask you about. Um, and this is something that's been uh, on the, on the sort of, it's sort of this mythology that I've had a little experience with, and that is that the stock alternators uh, don't always charge uh, at 14 volts, which is what AGMs like that higher 14 volts. Is, is that mythology or is that true? I think that's, there's some mythology there because I've not run across that. You know, most of them should out, should be putting out between 13 and a half, 14 and a half volts. You know, running running a little little over the 12 volt. One, it charges the battery faster, and two, if you you think about all the crap in these things now that's running off of the off of the alternator, so it it needs that two to three volt advantage so that when you know everything's on, you got the air on and the radio on and all your lights on. You know, it can keep up with that. The voltage will drop then, you know, because it's just the alternator's doing all it can do to keep up with everything. But, you know, most cars now are 100 amp plus alternators, and, and that's usually more than sufficient to run everything in them. Yeah. Um, there's a modification that some people do to their fuse box in the newer Toyotas where uh, they're essentially bypassing a one of the uh, one of the alter there's three alternator fuses in these go figure and apparently it switches the mode of the alternator from like a low charging to a higher charging and that uh by doing this little mod with a with either with a fuse and a diode that um <clears throat> people are able to um get it to stay in that higher charging mode. Now, I don't know if that means that the alternator wears out a little faster or not, or or, or what the exact science is behind it. Um, but the mod is actually for sale. Uh, you can, you'll see them on eBay and stuff, and it essentially replaces this fuse with a diode that prevents voltage from going in, in, in one of the directions it goes in. In other words, it, it turns the fuse into a one-way sort of thing. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard of this, but uh, they're, they're out there, and I'll see if I can find some, you some more info, because I'd like to see. I always wanted somebody that works with this stuff, you know, for a living, to, to who really knows it pretty a lot better than I do, to, to, to look that over and see if that was, you know, mythology or if there was some truth to that. Uh, there may be truth to that because I know Ford has used that technology for years. You know, I wasn't I didn't know Toyota was doing it too, but the Fords actually have a diode built into the fuse box on a lot of vehicles, and it, it just looks like a little mini fuse, but it's actually a diode, and that's that's what it's for. 
Yep, and that, that's the mod people have done on, you know, I first saw it on the FJ Cruiser, and then I saw there's actually a mod kit you can buy for the Tacoma where you splice it into the wiring rather than do it into the fuse box, which is obviously not as reversible as the fuse, yeah. bo- fuse box mess. And then I've seen, like, a, a diode, what does that cost, 30 cents or something, yeah. and and you, you, you stick it in there, and... Uh, there was one place that was selling it as a pre-made little fuse, you know, that you you stuck in there, and they wanted like a hundred and something bucks for it. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, granted, it was neat and clean, and you couldn't really tell the difference between it and a regular fuse. Uh, but uh, you know, and I had I had experimented with this, and it does get a slightly higher voltage output out of the alternator. Um, but then I noticed my alternator only lasted a few years after doing that. So I don't know if those things were related. Um, but they, yeah, there's this belief out there that you need a slightly higher charging voltage for an AGM battery than you do for a conventional battery. And and you may, I mean, the, just because of the way it charges, you know, it, it does charge faster. So could be. It could be. I, I know that my my uh, my old battery charger, which may or may not have included tubes, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not going to say. Oh, well, that was the only guy that had one of those. <laughs> you, you remember those, right? And, and you, you turn it on, and it was like the old Frankenstein movie, where you know you're waiting for lightning to arc out of it, and it yeah, you makes hear it buzzing. Yeah, it's, it's buzzing, and you're like, well, I know it's working, but I don't know what it's doing. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, I actually, that wouldn't charge my AGM, and I had to get a, a, a new battery charger that, and, and I don't know if I, I mean, the thing wouldn't charge that battery, but it would charge other batteries, so, yeah. um, you know, I, I ended up getting rid of it and and, and getting this new fancy schmancy one with, you know, digital readout, and it, it, uh, it's, it's got a blender on it, <laughs> and, you know, a margarita machine built in and everything else. And it probably fits in the palm of your hand. Uh, There's some of those out there now. It's it's amazing how small they are. You know the yeah. the older one I've got is huge, and you look at some of these newer, you're like, man, that's going to charge a battery. Yeah, it yeah. looks like something for a toy. Isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, it, meanwhile, the, the the battery charger my father had growing up, you know, that thing had wheels, <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> wheels and a handle. <laughs> And if it didn't make noise when you turned it on, something was wrong. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and it, it made noise. The lights dimmed slightly when you turned it on. <laughs> uh, those are the good old days. Uh, well, this has been cool. I, I uh, There's some some info out there. I'll, I'll have to see what I can pull up on this battery stuff to see if that's, I'd like to do a little deeper digging on it. It's one of those things where I, I read just enough about it to get by and, and didn't really go the distance on, on the homework. So it'd be interesting to see what, what's up with that. And maybe some of our listeners will, will, if they've stuck with us this far, <laughs> they'll, they're still here. if they're still here, they're not asleep, they'll, uh, they'll, they'll, they'll have something to, to offer because it's, it's one of those things that um, everybody seems to know nothing about, but everybody's heard of, or, you know, heard a, heard a tale or a story about. Maybe, maybe we'll spark some interest, even if we're telling them wrong. Yeah. 
and and hopefully this battery talk is is helping some folks out you know with the cold weather coming uh across the country it's supposed to be well up here in yankee lands they're saying it's going to be one of the coldest winters in a long time and it's going to come early and stay late yeah uh, hopefully that hopefully doesn't it stays up there. Oh, well, you know, honestly, for your sake, I, I hope it does too. I, I'm I'm used to it. It doesn't bother me that much. You know, we run around in shorts and and, and short sleeves and thirty degree weather here, where I think you all would just grind to a halt down there. <laughs> Most of them would, not me. I, I'm pretty much shorts and t-shirt year round, unless it's just brutal. Yeah, yeah. And of course, as you get older, you know, I mean, we used to run around like shorts and a T-shirt in 20 degree weather with our mothers yelling at us when we were kids. And of course, now I want to put a jacket on. But Yeah. <laughs> you get cold quicker. You get cold a little quicker. They hurt more than they used to. <laughs> it's it's that. Yes, it's that wonderful season where you go wrench on your truck and your hand slips and you bang something and you just sit on the floor holding your hand for about an hour because it hurts about a hundred times more because <laughs> it's so you know you ever bang your bang your hand when it's cold and you're oh, working yeah. and, oh man it's it, just, it almost feels like you've been shocked it's just like it won't go away yeah. <laughs> it's like damn when's the tingling gonna stop <laughs> yeah 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 and you scratch yourself and you cut yourself up and then you come in and you relax by the fire and you just start leaking start you start bleeding, bleeding yeah. from someplace like I didn't even know I cut myself. Like, yeah, yep. Good times, good times. So it's going to be a long winter. So hopefully, uh, hopefully our listeners are prepared, and we we got some good in- info to you. Um, Annie, do you have anything uh, else to, to to throw in here? I don't. Um, we covered pretty much everything I had thought about with batteries. Uh, one other, well, no, uh, multi term. There's dual terminal batteries out there too. You know, that's that's an option. For, for the guys with winches, you know, you've got the you've got the top post battery, and you want to put a winch on it. And, you know, if you get one that's the dual terminal, you've got the side terminals to attach. You can put the winch right there, and not have that big old heavy cable up on top. Um, what you know? What I've read, this completely conflicts with what you just said. So I'm not I'm not trying to start an argument. <laughs> um, <laughs> although we love a good argument. Yeah. Right. The, um, that you should never hook a winch to the smaller side terminals. You should always use the larger top terminals because of the higher draw uh, is not only bad for the smaller terminals, um, the, you might not get enough current through oh. to the winch by using okay. this, the little, the smaller side terminals. If you have dual full-size terminals, it's okay to do it there. Um, but on those little ones that you can just stick a bolt in. I think that's what you're probably referring to. Yeah, just like the old GM style where it's just on the side of the battery with the with the threaded threaded boss sticking out. Me being the complete nerd that I am, uh, when I bought my Optima battery, I actually read the instructions that came with it, and it specifically said not to put winches, high draw stuff on, or anything that charges through the side terminals. Always to use the top terminals for that stuff, and the uh, side terminals for accessories like lights and and stuff like that. The lower draw uh, things. Cool. That's something I, I had not never seen that before i've seen the battery you know winches hooked up to to side post and i always thought well that's a one way to do it 
yeah, yeah I if, mean, if the battery manufacturers telling you not to, then don't. <laughs> they researched it, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, well, that's what I figure. I mean, they're not getting right. It's it. It can't be just a marketing gimmick. You know, why would they? They're not making any money if if somebody's doing that. They're making money if they sell batteries. So why would they tell you to do something? You know what I mean? So. Um, so that was always how I did mine. And, and, um, but yeah, the, actually that's a good, good. We, when we were talking about post configurations, yeah, the, usually the four post batteries are called Marine batteries and they, they'll, you know, like with the diehards, they used to, they'd have the diehard platinum and the, the, the platinum at, you know, whatever, uh, group number you got, it would be like group 34 and group 34 M. And the the only difference was that the M meant Marine, and the only difference between Marine was that it had terminals on the side as well as the top. It was kind of ridiculous. You just got extra terminals. It didn't it didn't float or anything. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, but that is especially with four by four stuff where you're hooking up lights and and stuff like that. If you're picking a battery, I would definitely recommend to anybody. Yeah, get those get those extra terminals. They make your life a lot easier. Um, they neaten things up and they'll reduce some stress on those top post terminals because uh, you'll have, you know, less stuff piled up in, in one spot. Of course, you should always wire a nice little junction like I mentioned earlier. But, uh, you know, having having the uh, the ability to do that is is something to, to think about. Um, another consideration with side posts on batteries is uh, to make sure that if they are facing something metal, that you have some sort of boot or insulation there because uh, dog forbid you get in an accident and you know, your, your fender gets hammered into the battery or your, your uh, you know, the front front of your vehicle where there's metal uh, and shorts those two posts out, you are going to have a fire uh, from what could ordinarily be just a simple fender bender. Yeah. And that's, <clears throat> you know, can't think of any GM car where they ever had them facing forward. They were always facing back, you know, away from the core support and all that, just for that reason. So if there was a, a frontal impact, you wouldn't push metal into the into the side post terminals on the battery and cause a short. It's one less thing to to worry about. Yeah, and and when you buy your battery, you know that might mean that you just have to buy the reverse terminal you know, version of it so that you can see which way uh, the terminals are oriented. Any good battery manufacturer, if you look on their website, they should have that info for you there. You should be able to to find that. So if you're trying to break out of the realm of just getting a stock replacement and kind of, you know, trying to customize your setup a little bit, definitely pay attention to that terminal placement. It could could, uh, save you from a, a potentially crappy situation. Cool, cool, cool. Um, well, I guess we better wrap it up. I don't know how long we've been going here, but um, <clears throat> we've been going a while, and I, I think we covered uh, some pretty good info on batteries for people. Um, Jason, we miss you. Uh, we, we hope you make it back soon. We hope Regina uh, is healing up just fine. And, um, you know, we 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 hope your... You're, uh, your transition surgery works out better. Damn, Rich, you weren't supposed to talk about that. Yeah. 
I'm just kidding. I At know least that you was, saved it for the end. <laughs> yeah, I did. I, he, he's going to beep that out. That's probably not politically correct, and, and I probably will. That would upset someone somewhere, but uh, it is funny. So <laughs> we're, we're comedians first and foremost, and it's just a joke. People don't uh, don't don't take that too seriously. But we we got to break Jason Stones a little bit uh, because he's he's been going through some tough times, and he definitely could use a smile on his face. And and if you are still listening, um, you know, drop him a note and let him know you're thinking about him and, and, and that you hope everything's okay. I'm sure he'd love to hear from you. Yeah, do that. He, uh, send, you could send him flowers or um, candy or uh, liquor or money. I think that would probably... Probably liquor or money. The, the, as much as he's out on the road, the, the flowers would probably be dead by the time he got home and the... And the Squirrels would have probably eaten the candy off the porch. So, yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> but um, but uh, we also wanted to say thanks to all our our patrons. I wasn't able to pull up the list of uh, Patreon supporters. So what I'll do is uh, next episode I will read all of your names twice. Um, Jason has access to the Patreon, and I didn't have the list of all the new people. So I. Sorry about that. I know we're um, actually one episode behind. I believe one episode might be two episodes behind um, because of Jason's ass, ab, absence. Not abscess, but absence. <laughs> um, so we're doing our best to, to get caught up and, and deliver you some, some quality content. So um, hang in there. He's coming back. He's, he's just getting through some tough times. And uh, we're going we're gonna to make it up to you with some cool stuff. We got stuff from SEMA coming. Uh, we got a couple of cool interviews coming up. And interviews. Did I just say interviews? It, it sounded like interviews. Interviews. We've got some cool interviews coming up and um, uh, some cool news from Max Tracks uh, coming up. Uh, and we have actually, we are working on a huge Christmas special with some very big industry names all sitting around in a round table talking about the good old days. So uh, look forward to that. Uh Andy, any any last words? <laughs> no, just uh, best wishes to Jason, Regina, get well soon, and hopefully, hopefully, we gave some people some good information. Cool, cool. All right, that wraps up uh, episode sixty-seven. Thanks for hanging in there, folks, and we will talk to you soon. <laughs>